a lower stocking rate, less nitrogen fertilizer, and less imported feed. Those are the characteristics of a future farm being tested down at Dairy Trust Taranaki. There, the research and farm team are into their third season of comparing a successful current farm system with what a farm might look like in 2032, meaning one that's designed to meet the regulations and emissions pricing coming at dairy farmers. So how are the two farmlets stacking up? Have they been able to make the future farm system work at a similar profitability to the current farm? And what about greenhouse gas emissions and nitrate leaching reductions? Ultimately, this is about finding solutions to help farmers both increase profit and reduce environmental footprint. Here to talk us through this exciting research today are Jason Rolfe, General Manager at Dairy Trust Taranaki, and Chris Glassie, a Dairy NZ Farm System Specialist. My name's Ben Chapman-Smith, thanks for joining us and I hope you enjoy this episode. And just quickly, if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified when new episodes go live. Let's get into it. Jason and Chris, thanks so much for being here today on the podcast. Jason, to start with, tell us a bit about Dairy Trust Taranaki. What's its purpose? For how long has it been around? And what's the setup there in terms of the land and herd size, infrastructure, staff numbers, things like that? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Uh, So Dairy Trust Taranaki was uh, formed in late 2016. Uh, it was really the bringing together of three main sort of research and demonstration farms in Taranaki, with the addition of a, a fourth property uh, that was owned by Fonterra next to the Farirao factory there in, in Hawara. And the goal of Dairy Trust Taranaki is really delivering relevant world-class research, demonstration and extension to dairy farmers of Taranaki, but also you know, wider Aotearoa New Zealand as well. So the four farms, we've got the Dairy Trust Tanaki Gibson Farm, which is sort of the home of research, I think, uh, for some time in Taranaki. Uh, so that's a about 310 cow farm, milking twice a day and three sort of full-time staff on, on that property. And that's got the step change trial, which we'll talk a bit about yep. today. Uh, we've got the Kavanagh Farm next door, which is a 600 cow farm, four full-time staff there. And that's just finished up an autumn calving trial and it's just moved into a net zero trial. So it's a 10-year trial kicked off on 1st of June. About 15 minutes around the corner, we've got our Waimati West demonstration farm. Now that's been a research farm since 1917 and that's owned by the South Tanaki District Council. Uh, And so we've got sort of one and a half full-time employees based on that farm. And that's milking 120 cows and that's our diverse pastures trial site. And then further north, we've got the Stratford Demonstration Farm, which has again been research and demonstration since 1917, so quite some time. And that's got the spiky technology on that, which is looking at a a trial comparing uh, that technology and the benefits to nitrogen leaching and, you know, trying to grow a bit more grass uh, through that. So that's kind of the the overview of the trust. Um, All up, we've got 18 full-time employees, uh, including myself, and then a number of casual uh, employees who we call on uh, as well, who you know, makes a great team. And what have you got there in terms of the scientific resources? Because you're obviously looking at things through microscopes and weighing and testing. And what what have you got? Yeah, so we've got um, we've got our own sort of lab on our Kavanagh farm. So that's where uh, the science team do a lot of their weighing of, of pasture samples. We've got dry matter ovens there, uh, so we're pretty well set up. Uh, and also a big walk-in chiller as well to keep a lot of samples cool before we either look at those ourselves or send them away. Um, so we've got three in our, our science team. We've sort of got a, a leader of the team and a couple working in that tech space. 
their jobs, I guess, getting busier as we uh, move into some of these trials with uh, we've got suction cups and lysimeters at Stratford and, and soon to be installed at, at Waimati West as well. Sounds like a pretty cool place to be working. Yeah, no, it's awesome. There's certainly uh, no, no two days the same, that's for sure. So, Chris, what's Dairy NZ's relationship with Dairy Trust Taranaki? Okay, so Dairy NZ come under the umbrella of collaborative partners and sometimes we're funders of work at Dairy Trust Taranaki. Historically, we've always had a relationship uh, with Dairy Trust Taranaki and its predecessors. The goals align because it's all um, about benefiting and improving um, dairy farming in Aotearoa, not just Taranaki. I was asked to provide a role of liaising between Dairy NZ and Dairy Trust Taranaki on the research work because Dairy NZ, we've got access to uh, even more resources that may assist the research or we will know where there are people that can assist and help develop the uh, programs of research that Jason and his team have got going. Mm. So that's my role. So Jason, today we're talking specifically about that trial at Gibson Farm, which you mentioned before. That trial aims to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and nitrate leaching while increasing profit. How long's that project been going for and why is it so important? Yeah, so we've just finished the second season of that project. Yeah, we're into the third year and it was originally a three-year trial, but we're actually looking to extend that trial out for, for a further two years. Uh, and the reason, I guess, that yeah, this project's so important is you've got a lot of new regulations. Probably hear a lot about that in the farming community, um, particularly around nitrogen use emissions. We've got a you know, pricing a model, what that looks like, we're not quite sure on yet. But you know, a lot of these things come in at farmers. And so what we've looked at with this trial is you know, a, f- a future farmer versus a current farmer. And so the future farmer is kind of the 2032 farm at the moment, you know, 2030, 2032 farm versus a, a current farming system. And what we're looking to do is try and replicate what that might look like with those new regulations and see what that does from a profit perspective and other benefits or challenges that we might face by meeting those regulations. And Chris, what does the research actually look like? What's the methodology? Basically, we've got a um, a split farm comparison. So Gibson Farm's well set up for what we call farmlet research, where it's been planned out to have paddocks of equal size it's got a fairly homogenous soil type. The history there is uh, they're used to running multiple herds for comparative purposes. In this case, we've split the farm into two herds and each herd has a dedicated area for the um, length of the trial. Basically, the comparisons between a successful farm system that Gibson Farm had established through previous research work, which relied on an input of nitrogen fertilizer to help boost pasture growth of somewhere around 200 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare, Jason. Yeah. Also, uh, some use of palm kernel or a mix of palm kernel and something that was put through an in-shed feeder. We know that with the emissions reduction targets that we've been committed to through the Zero Carbon Act, the most likely scenario that will work in reducing emissions is reducing some of those inputs, which we have, which means we run a lower stocking rate because we expect less feed to be in the system. And the challenge for the team at Dairy Trust Taranaki is to see if they can actually make that system work at a similar profitability or if the profitability is to be reduced, how do they keep the gap as close as possible? 
So I guess in terms of the the actual numbers around you know what that looks like too from a difference point of view is 3.1 cows to the hectare on the current farmlet, as Chris mentioned, up to sort of you know the 190 kgs of nitrogen cap it now, and we've kind of set a, a I guess a, a roof on the imported feed of 700 kilos per cow dry matter for that farm, which is kind of I think the average from the previous four or five years leading up to this trial. And then on the future farmlet, we've dropped that to two and a half cows per hectare of the stocking rate. We're only using around 70 to 75 kilos of nitrogen, which is a big difference mm. to what many farmers are used to. Again, that cap on imported feed is 300 kilos of imported feed, which in this past season, you know, we're fortunate we only got to about a half of that uh, imported feed on that future farmlet, which has certainly helped with the results we've seen. Jason, I understand that there's two components of this work. There's the farmlet study, which you've described. But there's also this partner farm network. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so the partner farm network is something we've done on a, a few of our trials, so it's not just exclusive to step change. But the idea with that is is to get a little bit, little bit more of a geographical spread around the region as well with farmers that may be implementing some of, not necessarily all of the future trial changes that we're doing, and some may be further along that journey as well. So the idea there is to get some more ideas into the extension side of it. And we work really closely with DairyNZ to support those farmers and find out, you know, have them involved and learn. I guess it's, it's kind of like a, a mini discussion group between the farmers and us to make sure that we're sharing challenges and ideas. I'd say, yeah, with the step change one, we probably haven't 100% nailed that, just given there's been some personnel changes from both Dairy Trust, Tanaki, myself coming in uh, last November into the role, and, and also... Uh, on Dairy and Z side as well. So we're just in the process of actually relaunching that for this trial, which is really exciting. And we're actually bringing in Ag First as well to provide a little bit more additional support for those farmers during the year, actually advising them on farm with their system and what they could be doing on that. So it's actually going to be quite an exciting time moving forward in that partner farm space. Now, Jason, before we get on to the findings of these trials, have there been any challenges presented along the way? Yeah, given... More time's been sort of in the last year. The, the, certainly the challenges we've had in the last season is, you know, it was a bit of a, especially, I guess, Taranaki's historical averages, we've certainly had a, um, you know, a really dry sort of January uh, and then, you know, a very wet February and then dry again in March. So it was sort of a bit of a yo-yo year in terms of, you know, what the Mother Nature was throwing at us. And then we've just gone through, you know, one of our wettest winters on record as well. So that's certainly proved really challenging from that side of thing. And and I guess, you know, with that future mob, having less cows as well, you kind of, it has been an advantage in the dry, but it is trying to keep on top of that pasture quality. But leading up to that was always a challenge as well. But they've come through that really well, which has been really good. And then, you know, like anything at moment with farms, we, we have the same cost as everyone else. So one of our biggest challenges has just been across both farmlets is, you know, increasing inflationary costs, particularly around things like fertiliser feed and fuel and just trying to keep a lid on those. So Chris, tell us what you're learning. For example, what's happened in relation to things like milk production, emissions, nitrate leaching? Talk us through some of the numbers. All right. So um, things have gone in a direction that we sort of expected that it might and that if you take inputs out, it tends to make less feed available and that's confirmed. Pasture growth has dropped where we've used less nitrogen. We've used 87 kilograms of nitrogen less per hectare on the future farmlet. Milk production has dropped so the milk solids production has dropped by about 200 kilograms per hectare in the first year. The typical response to that, well that can't be a good thing. 
the idea is to see if we can increase milk solids per cow enough to help compensate for that. In the second year of the trial, we were able to increase milk solids production per cow by about 20, 25 kilos of milk solids compared to the current farmlet, and that reduced the gap down to 156 kilograms of milk solids per hectare. So we're progressing towards closing that gap. So that's that's the milk production story. In terms of feed eaten, because uh, we've got fewer cows per hectare, they are eating more per cow than the current herd, but that still means there's less total feed going through the system. So because methane emissions are directly related to feed eaten, there has been a drop in the total of emissions from the farm on the order of 20% in both years. Methane's gone down by 15% and then the additional amount is through um, nitrous oxide, which you get from reducing nitrogen inputs. That side of things is behaving as we thought it probably would. So the big challenge was going to be with that drop in production of 150, 200 kilograms of milk solids per hectare, could we generate the same sort of profit? In the first year, the answer was no. When we started, we were still paying $600 a tonne for urea and $300 a tonne for palm kernel. And the milk price was, I think it had $7, somewhere thereabouts. And that made it quite difficult to maintain the profitability with that loss of production. But in the second year of the trial, when uh, urea shot up to you know eleven hundred or thirteen hundred dollars per ton, and palm kernel was heading towards five hundred, or I think it might have reached five hundred, Jason. Yeah. So we all of a sudden those inputs that we were taking out, it was more profitable to actually take them out than to have the last few tons of urea there or the last few tons of palm kernel there or the last few cows that we'd taken out of the system. So the profitability difference between the farmlets and the second year is just $110 per hectare for profitabilities that are sitting in the mid-5,000s per hectare, so very small percentage change. That's very encouraging. Having said that, One year isn't going to tell the full story, so we're looking forward to seeing if we can do it again in another year where all those relationships between price and milk price change and production change. That'll give us a lot more certainty, but when we think about the economic principles that are involved here, rising costs means putting extra inputs and you get slimmer margins, and that's what we're seeing here. It makes the lower stocking rate system work a lot better in terms of profitability. Thanks, Chris. Jason, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think like if we look at some of those, yeah, I know everyone's always interested in the exact numbers around some of the, the costs as well. And yeah, in a high payout year, it's always difficult. Well, the perception had always been it's always difficult for a low input one to compete with some of those higher input systems when the payout's over $9. And so I guess, yeah, we took a lot of our actual numbers for both farmlets from the last season. And so we had an average feed price of imported feed of about $403 a tonne and our urea price of $1,167 a tonne. That's spread. So obviously prices are sort of north of there currently. And so if we looked at if we had those prices based on you know last year's payout, the future farmlet's actually around $210 per hectare better off at current payout, sort of around that $9.30 payout. 
But based on last year, we sort of had a farm working expenses uh, for the future farm. It was around four dollars eighty a kg of milk solids, and for the current system was around the five dollars five dollars thirty eight. So that was where you know, it's kind of a, nearly an eleven percent difference there. That's where a lot of that gain was made between the future and the current farmlet. We kind of calculated that at a an eight dollars seventy payout or below. The future farm that was making more money per hectare, so that was kind of the break-even payout. Obviously, we got a little bit more than that, and early indications are that it's going to be a good one this year as well. So it'll be really interesting, as Chris pointed out, to see you know with the current price of feed and and what the season throws at us around you know those sort of things and other costs. You know, it's not just those three now that we're seeing inflationary pressure on um, across the board what that looks like in year three so hence the reason trying to get the trial extended out or you know extending out a couple of years I think one year doesn't tell enough of the story and you know having sort of a good two or three years you know a good picture that just provides a stronger case for this low input system. Jason what's happened with nitrate leaching across the two farms? Yeah so based on the the overseeing modelling that we've uh, used for these so to compare these two systems, we've seen about a nine kilos of nitrogen a hectare less leaching from the futures to the currents. And that's not including one of the key, I guess, system changes that we've added in as part of the trial is at the introduction of plantain across the future farmlet. Uh, and I know there's some separate work getting done in that space, which Chris might like to touch on. But what that looked like is a third of the farm each year being oversown or undersown, sorry, into plantain with some clover as well in the springtime. And so we're into the final year of the last third of that future farmlet, getting that plantain and clover put in. And we top the other two thirds that we've already done up as well each year. So, yeah, that could be potentially more. Chris has probably got some, some good comments around the plantain effect. When we started this, we were already aware that with the reduction in inputs and the reduction in stocking rate, that could well work it very well in our favour towards reducing the emissions and the nitrate leaching. So what we were aiming for was having a platform at the end of the three-year trial where we could add in any new technologies that come along that will help us reduce emissions further uh, and test them out as well. We were looking around for what are those technologies currently, and a lot of them are still under testing and research, but one that is showing a lot of promises, plantain. So during the trial, we've progressively been oversowing the future area with plantain clover mix and adding that into the pastures of the future farmlet. That comes at a cost and we've costed that into the profitability figure so it's come out of the profit that the farm's generated and so at the end of three years we're going to have half that farm with mixed plantain swords and also hopefully a higher clover content. Just to put into context In year two, the current farm grew 16.1 tonnes of dry matter per hectare and the future farm 15.7. That actually is only a 0.4 of a tonne dry matter per hectare difference, which is a little bit surprising because the nitrogen applied to the current farm, we would might have expected a better response, more dry matter per kilogram of nitrogen than was achieved. So that's something that we're interested in following up. What we might expect to happen is that clover content of the pasture would increase as we reduce nitrogen, and you might get more nitrogen arriving through clover nitrogen fixation, biological fixation. Perhaps that is happening, but what we, we're also doing botanical compositions and we haven't had the expected increase in clover content of the pasture yet, so maybe not. 
So that is perhaps one of the surprises so mm. far is that we haven't transformed the farm pastures into clover waving in the breeze like some people predicted might happen. Jason, what have been the, the biggest surprises for you from, from this trial so far? For me, you know, certainly coming into this trial was you know, how close the profitability was year two, which I think when you drill down the numbers, it's no surprises as we've touched on around the feed and fert side of things. But that certainly was a surprise for me. The other one, you know, and it's probably credit to our team, on-farm team, uh, Justin, the farm manager and his team there, just how well the um, Future Farm's done in terms of keeping on top of the pasture quality. I think that's played a big part. Chris mentioned the difference in pasture growing across both farmlets. You know, with less cows, it is always more of a challenge, but we have managed to harvest more silage at the right times and just keep on top of that quality. That's always, I think, a challenge with less cows, but the team's done a really good job, which is, you know, it's been a really pleasing result in the last year. So that's something we just, I guess, challenge ourselves to keep on each year to, to make sure we're uh, keeping on top of that. Chris, what kind of um, patterns and effects have you seen around rainfall and soil temperatures uh, during the trial periods? Yeah, well, like many parts of New Zealand, the last few years have been reasonably challenging for dairying with um, summer dry and occasional periods of too much rainfall. The interesting thing with the lower stocking rate is that it does mean that you've got some extra silage opportunities to transfer feed from spring into summer through silage harvested. Uh, in the first year, we also took the opportunity to carry some feed forward through deferred grazing, which is just grass left standing and fed back as a crop. And it's evident when the dry does come along, like in January of 2022, that the lower stocking rate does provide a better opportunity to withstand that. It's important, I think, that with the lower stocking rate that farmers look at opportunities to perhaps extend the lactation length per cow and that's been a feature of this in that we have a little bit of an earlier calving date on the future farm now and we also can expect to milk about two weeks longer into May than with the current farmlet and that's all done on feed budget. Part of the reason for that is that you usually have higher pasture covers and more supplement inventory to go into the winter with on the future farmlet. So that allows that to happen. And it's got to be carefully monitored against body condition score. Jason, yep. anything you wanted to add? Yeah, just I mean adding on to that as well, you know, one of the biggest, I guess, stresses for many farmers is, you know, that availability of pasture. That's one of the cheapest feeds you've got going around. So that's one of the benefits of you know, kind of the unmeasurable benefits of this trial is that lower stress yeah, you know, when you come in and you're getting this more variable weather and dry, and you know, and you've just got that extra feed in the either in the pit or in bales or in front of you, it certainly takes the pressure off a little. Jason, what do these results mean for farmers, not just in the region but nationwide? Yeah, obviously we've got regional differences across the country, which is great, and and certainly Taranaki can be quite unique at times with our weather patterns and those sorts of things. But I think you know a lot of the new regulation coming is targeted at kind of a one size fits all you know, approach across the country. So, you know, we've got things around caps on nitrogen, which we've touched on, the emissions, which we don't know what that looks like. So it's quite an unsettling time for many farmers who often have a system that is kind of geared towards whether when they brought the farm, you know, they might have a, a certain level of debt servicing. And so often that system has evolved over time, focusing on production and, you know, maximising profitability to pay debt or grow the business. 
So I think while still early days, you know, for me, what the results are showing is there's still a very profitable way to farm, even with some of these tighter regulations or costs that are potentially coming. I do think, though, you know, the key is is setting up now to have kind of a, a resilient system so that when you need to drop these inputs, as we've seen, it didn't just happen in year one. You know, it was, it was there's a transition period. I think speak for Chris as well. Year two, it's probably happened with some other variables, probably quicker than we maybe thought in terms of the how the comparison coming closer together between the two farmlets. So I think having that resilient system and and making sure you're not compromising your business health or you know animal health and the like as well, and also your people on farm. So setting up for that. Chris, what's next for this trial? Well, um, I mentioned before that. Each year in terms of the balance between the milk price and the input costs and production will be slightly different. So our initial thoughts are that perhaps extending it out for another lactation might be appropriate. The other uh, thing that I mentioned was uh, what opportunities we've got to add and other technologies that may come along that help us when they reach a stage where they need to be tested on farm. So that's the other thing that potentially could be added. Jason, for any anyone listening here who's interested in following what's happening at Dairy Trust Taranaki, tell them where to go. Yeah, uh, thanks, Ben. So we've got to try and increase our social media profile. So we're on, on Facebook, on the gram as well. Uh, and we've just recently launched on LinkedIn as well because we think that's a really good opportunity to engage with the real professional community and farmers that are that are on those platforms, both you know locally and and globally, around these same challenges, uh, which is great. We've also got our, our website, so head along there, and also feel free to pick up the phone and or, or give us an email, and we can um, certainly answer any questions. That's awesome. Hey, Jason and Chris, thanks so much for your time. Great to chat with you today. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks for tuning into Talking Dairy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts go to dairynz.co.nz forward slash podcast or find us on your favourite podcast platforms.